Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road Campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. So, uh, we've touched on many different aspects on the orphan heart. Today I'm going to talk about kind of a general idea, and that is um, what is generally called orphan thinking. Okay, orphan thinking. We were created as heirs, as uh, 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 we were created by God for the purpose of intimate relationship. You know, God, uh, heavenly in the form of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God is love, and so there's relationship within God. He didn't need us, but... Uh, something in the nature and the character of God chose to uh, create humanity so that he could share creation with us, but more importantly, share relationship. And we see this right uh, from the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 2, uh, 7 and 8 in the creation story. It says, The Lord formed man from the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and became a living being. And the Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Um, and then uh, a bit later, we see the creation of Eve. It says, the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed it up in its place. And the rib which the Lord God had taken for man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and become joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And so right at the beginning of the story, we see several of these primary, um, fundamental... uh, Don't you love that? I don't have a primary number, because I said primary. Relationships. Think of it. When God shaped Adam, and I I believe that it happened as is depicted in the Genesis account, although I do believe that it is a, a, a simple portrayal of something that was probably much, much more complex, you know, creating a human being. (laughs) <laughs> out of nothing. But the image that we have is the best, most accurate way to communicate what really happened. And so the idea of God forming mankind and then breathing life, an inanimate object became animate, became alive when God breathed life into them. Him. And so the very first experience of mankind was the face of the Father. This close. Breathing life. (gasps) Wow. And then God creating creating a woman out of man. And Adam seeing that, wow, this is what I've been looking for. This is what I've been longing for. We really don't know the time span between the original creation, he went and 
you know, how long would it take to look at all the animals on planet Earth? <clears throat> you know, that's what it says he did. Gave names to the animals. Bob wrote a song about it. Hello, is there anybody in the room this morning? <laughs> and then created Eve. And Adam went, whoa, man. <laughs> bone of my bone. And then it says, a man shall leave his father and mother and, and cleave to his wife. And they shall become one. Hmm, that's interesting. Adam didn't have a natural father. But it was setting this pattern up of reproduction and intimacy. Well, that's great, but we all know what happened next. There was a bit of a breakdown in the family. Out of rebellion and uh, sin and <clears throat> deception. And in fact... There was already in existence uh, the enemy uh, he's referred to in the Bible, or Satan. And in one sense, we can understand uh, the devil as the origin of the orphan spirit, or the orphan heart, in that, uh, uh, you know, the image that we see in the book of Isaiah, <clears throat> that almost all theologians believe is speaking directly of, of Lucifer uh, uh, and his fall from heaven. It says, Look how, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. And so there's, in this, he was created as a son, but he fell. How, are you, how you, you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the, the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the Most High. Ah! Does that sound familiar? It's the exact same thing that the serpent said to Eve. You will be like God. And here we see the origin of that. Uh, in, in the distant past, at some point, this 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 person that this prophet is referring to, Lucifer, in the heavenly realm, said, I'm going to be, I'm going to exalt, I'm going to be like God. I'm going to, I'm going to get up to that level. Yet, it says, you shall be brought down to Sheol, or death, or the grave, to the lowest depths of the pit. And so we see Lucifer as uh, the son who fell from grace, the son who rejected his heavenly father, and again, we know very, very, very little about it. But what we know is important is that something happened and he was cast out of the presence of the Father because of his desire to usurp uh, authority and usurp position. And, uh, and the same temptation that he uh, used to draw Adam and Eve into uh, sin is the temptation that he had given into that I will be like God, I will be equal to, or even higher than, and that resulted in him being thrust out of heaven. Um, <clears throat> Jesus actually talks about this, uh, uh, this dynamic of this truth, both in uh, referring to the enemy, but also in talking about the Pharisees and trying to explain to the Pharisees their problem. 
Um, he talks about, Jesus explains it in the context, listen to this, in the, in the context of God as Father, in the context of having that, that relationship of intimacy that we are created to live in, broken. Okay, so Jesus is talking to the Pharisees about their orphan issues. In John 8, 42 through 44, he says, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth um, and came from God. Nor have I come from myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Why can't you understand what I'm saying? Jesus is, is, is like, exasperate. Why can't you? Why don't you get this? He's actually telling them why, and he's telling us why. It's because they don't have a relationship with God as Father. They are orphaned in their spirit. It says, because you are not able to listen to my word, you are of your father, the devil. <gasps> like reproduces like. And so, uh, it says, he was, <clears throat> it says, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. So these Pharisees had gotten drawn into a different parentage. They were no longer sons of Heavenly Father, able to hear and understand Jesus, God the Son, the best and fullest and clearest representation of the Father ever revealed to mankind because they had, they had actually been cut off from relationship from the Father. They didn't even understand what Jesus was saying because their, their thought processes were so contrary. Right? And so this is the state that we find ourselves in often, in that we think orphan thinking. The, the, our, the way we process information, the way we, you and I process emotions and uh, information and uh, relationships is through a filter of an orphan mind. And the reason for that, this is, this is big, because you're human, all right? <laughs> It happened to Adam and Eve, our grandparents, and we have inherited it to some degree. Okay, so this is not just talking about your relationship with your natural parents, whether or not you knew your natural parents or not, or the person or people who parented you. I was talking to a teacher recently, and they said, uh, when they, when they give students a piece of paper to take home to their parents, mom or dad, to sign or to inform, they, they have to be real careful how they communicate it because a large percentage of the people, kids in the classroom, you know, are being raised from the grand, by their grandparents or their aunt you know, or, or, or someone else. And so regardless of who your natural parent is, this issue is hardwired into us as descendants from Adam and Eve who were cut off 
from the presence of God because of sin, who were influenced by Satan, who was cut off from the presence of God by his, uh, his sin and pride and arrogance and rejection of God's authority over him. So if sin, everyone, you know, if you're a Christian, generally understands the idea of original sin and that we are sinners uh, because we, uh, we sin because we are sinners. We are born in sin, uh, right? That we inherit our sinful nature from the original sin. And so all mankind all have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short because we're born in this world cut off. Okay, so if that's true in a general sense, it's true in specific senses, right? In fact, it would be nonsense to say something is true in general, but not true in a specific sense. Right? So anything that's true generally, in some way is true specifically. Like, uh, generally... Uh, uh, January and February in Michigan is cold. Would you agree? Now, some days we have not terribly cold weather, but I just drove back from South Carolina. Let me tell you, it's cold out there. (laughs) It's specifically cold today. All right, so general principle, we inherit sin from those that have come before us going all the way back to our original parents. So if that's true in a general sense, the specific is true too, that we inherit sinful influences from even our parents, our grandparents. And there's this that's the basis of the generational understanding of sin. And so you see this in, in, in you know, if, if a... Uh, if there's alcoholism in a family line, there's a there's a genetic disposition toward that. If there's um, if there's spousal abuse or child abuse within a family line, there's a, pre, uh, a predisposition towards that. And so we have inherited this orphan thinking right from the beginning. And think about this, just to get the picture: Adam and Eve sinned, and um, Violated the command of God, and you can read the whole story. This is God's response in Genesis 3.20. He says, Behold, a man has become like one of us to know good and evil, and now at least he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the, God, uh, therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden, Eden uh, to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and the woman, and he placed cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life. This word, he drove out. The word drove is, is a very powerful word. It, it, it means to dispossess an, a person, uh, to to cast them out. It actually can be translated to divorce. It's cutting off and a casting out. It's expelling. It's thrusting. Understand that God's intent was so that 
mankind would not eat of the tree of life while in that fallen state and live eternally cut off from relationship with God. Because right. that's, that's the state of Lucifer and the, and the angels that fall, fell. Like there's no, there's no means of uh, a redemption because uh, they are, they are, they're stuck in that eternal state once they rebel. But here with mankind, it's like God had to separate mankind from the tree of life for their good. But think of how, it, how Adam and Eve experienced it. Think of the trauma that they experienced when this God who'd been really like nice... <laughs> <laughs> loving and providing and like walk with them in the garden and talk with them and hey, you know, you hey, eat of everything you want. Don't eat of this tree. It's very important that you, you, you abide by this one rule, this one law, but everything else is yours. I just give, I give, I give, I give. <clears throat> and then, oh, God confronts them, speaks, addresses their sin, but then the consequence of that sin was to be thrust out of the presence. Uh, how would it have felt like, oh, you know, it's like, have you ever, uh, if you're a parent, you've, you've undoubtedly experienced this. You know, the kid, your son or daughter, is about to do something that they would really hurt them. Like you see them reaching for the boiling pan on the stove, and you know, but they're inches away from, you know, terrible consequences, and you grab them, right? <clears throat> and this actually happened just recently with my granddaughter. <clears throat> she was over at our house. We were babysitting her. Can you imagine that? <laughs> and she was jumping around, <clears throat> and she fell and, and knocked her head very hard against one of our tables, which is really hard, like it's this metal wrought iron thing. And, you know, my instinct was ensure she's not, you know, doesn't have a fractured neck or something. And so I literally, she's crying, but I grab her up. I know how to do this. I've had first aid training. <clears throat> and I immobilize her and put her on the floor. She could not move <clears throat> to make sure that, you know, if she had fractured her neck or her skull or if she had a concussion, this is really important to do immediately. And then you evaluate, is she nauseous? Is she's got, you know, blurred vision? Is she coherent? You know, <clears throat> which she was extremely coherent because she was now more upset about me holding her than the hurt of her on her head. <laughs> all right. But all of a sudden, you know, Poppy Wright, Grandpa Wright, you know, becomes this big guy that completely confined her and put her on the ground and wouldn't let her move. You know, and she got mad at me, you know, and probably scared too. But I was doing it for her good. And I quickly realized, oh, she's not hurt. She's okay. She's got a bump on her head. Well, that's the idea times a million. Because you think I'm scary. I mean, God doing this anime is really scary. <laughs> so we inherit this fear of expulsion, fear of rejection, 
from God. And of course, you know what? We have sinned. We have sin in us. We have guilt and shame. So when we look at the Father and we see his holiness, we look at Jesus, we see his, his perfect character, we instantly feel, I am not worthy to be anywhere. And in fact, God's righteousness has anger toward the sin that's in me that I'm still clinging to. And that shapes the way we think. Not just about God, but about everything. So this inherited or um, baseline, functional part of how we are as humans, as, as beings, as creatures, as creations, even in our spirit, shapes how we respond to consequences, our influences and relationships. I would say that every relational dysfunction is rooted in orphan thinking. Every, how many have had a relational breakdown? One or two in your life. What if I said, you know, if you looked at that through the lens of of thinking as an orphan or thinking as a son and daughter, you'd, you'd have a better uh, ability and be equipped better to restore that relationship or respond to that relationship in a healthy way. How can you say that? Well, because the primary relationship that we are all created for is relationship with our Heavenly Father. And if that was broken and resulted in orphan thinking, then that then spreads to all other relationships. All right? How about this? This is a stretch. You can argue with me on this if you'd like. <clears throat> but I'm convinced. In one sense or another, all sin can be traced to orphan thinking. All sin. So if you think of sin more as a symptom of the broken relationship we are birthed into with Heavenly Father rather than the real problem. It changes the way you think of sin altogether. Sin is the symptom. What's the cause? The cause is that you're, you're not relate, you're, just what Jesus said to the Pharisees. You're not, you know, you don't know your, the Father. You're, you're living out of another fatherhood, which was Satan, rebellion. Come to know the Father Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Sanctification is that process. So freedom from sin comes through knowing the Father and having that restored. And so what happens is, most often when there's a relational breakdown, it's because we're thinking like an orphan. How does an orphan think? Nobody loves me. I'm on my own. What else? I'm sorry? I won't have my needs met. Scarcity thinking. Lack. Insecure. Anything else? I have to defend myself. Somebody else? I can't trust authority. So if you have an issue with authority, it's because you don't have trust. 
What's the authority? Any authority. Um, your boss, other authority figures, pastors really get hit with this a lot because we're like representing, you know, by default, a father, mother figure, parental figure, and God because we're spokesmen. You know, and we're just, we're just one of you. <laughs> Teachers. I got it. I, I, I need to defend myself. Someone said that. I got to stand up for myself or nobody else will. That's orphan thinking. I'm never going to have enough. Jealousy. Why do they have that? I don't. Why do you feel that way? You have something they don't. Trusting that God's going to provide, having that confidence. You know, this contrasts with the thoughts, the heart, thinking of a son or a daughter that regardless of what happens, I'm going to be taken care of. When I don't understand what's going on, my Heavenly Father does. I can be at peace. As opposed to, I don't understand what's going on! Now the world's falling apart. It's huge. When, when, <clears throat> when someone relates to you in a way that challenges you, you know, or uh, you know, whether it be directly or indirectly, and you respond with a, you know, either a fear and isolate yourself, that's orphan thinking. I'm going to hide. I don't want them to find out. Because if they do, I'm going to get hurt. Or I'm going to crush them. Literally or emotionally or relationally. I'm going to cut them off. I'm going to cancel them from my life. That's orphan thinking. That's straight from Lucifer. That's Lucifer's strategy. Not Jesus' strategy. Take your pick. Okay? Jesus said, I have enough. So I will give away everything I have. Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done. Orphan thinking is, not thy will, but mine be done. It's not a pleasant place. And again, I'm not talking about natural orphans. I'm talking about spiritual orphans, of which we all are. Now here, it helps to understand what actually happened there in the garden the Jameson Faust Brown commentary, I think, does an excellent job at unpacking this. <clears throat> it says that um, they said it would have been better to have translated that passage in this sense. And this is one way that you can, you can come to the realization that even translations communicate a theological predisposition. Okay, so when, when, the, when the really smart guys that really know the language sit down to uh, do a translation, even when they're trying to do it most accurately to the original text, their belief system influences the words they choose. And that's why using a bunch of different translations is really important, and having at least a good uh, un, uh, familiarity, uh, somewhat of a familiarity with the original language helps a little bit, but then uh, going to uh, commentators to get different perspectives also helps. But this commentator said it, it could have been translated this way. And he, God, uh, dwelt between the cherubim, because that's the angel that was placed in there was actually a cherubim. 
which is significant because they're used differently throughout Scripture. At the east of the Garden of Eden, in a fierce fire, and the word there is the Shekinah. How many know what that refers to? The glory of God that descended in the temple. Whenever God is depicted as a shining, brilliant light, that's the Shekinah glory. That's the Hebrew word that means shining, brilliant light. (laughs) But it shows up when Holy Spirit shows up and God's presence. So this fierce fire is not the fire of hell. It's the fire of God's presence. And it says unfolding itself. And so that's the, it's a translation, the, the, the easiest single word translation was a sword, a, a flaming sword. But it was really like this flashing light, could be translated that way, to preserve the way to the tree of life. Ah! What? Not to prevent any man, human from getting back there? I mean, that's the image we all grow up with, right? Because that's the children's like The angel stands there so no human can ever make it back to the Garden of Eden. Oh, mean God, putting a strong angel to keep us from paradise. No, good God, protecting the way so that you can only get to the tree of life in his prescribed order. That you have to come through the Shekinah, the presence of God. You have to confront... <coughs> The sword of the Lord, which is His Word. How do you get back to Eden? How do you get to the tree of life? You come through the Word. You encounter the presence. You can't, you can't shortcut your way. Because when you do, you get stuck in orphan thinking. You have to come back through the way that you left, which was having relationship restored. And we see that that pattern established in the garden is actually repeated, and it's interesting, the worship service uh, referred to the order of worship in the temple, the tabernacle in the temple, that there was a prescribed way. You had to encounter, you had to go through the gate, the narrow way, and, and, and encounter the, the altar of sacrifice and the, the labor, the washing uh, to be cleansed so that you could come into the presence. That same process of reconnecting uh, uh, relationally with God is depicted in that Genesis story. And so that really was a blessing. And then Jesus came, I need to wrap up here, Jesus came to, to draw us back into relational. It's all through the Old Testament, but Jesus, as God the Son, comes and says it clearly. He says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Jesus promised that in John 14. And in Galatians, the the intent of the gospel. Yeah, it's salvation, but salvation is, is, if you think of salvation as not having to go to hell, I mean, that's great. But but the reason we don't go to hell is because we're not no longer of uh, of, of Lucifer's parentage, we've been translated, we've been adopted, as it says in Galatians 4.4. When the right time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent Him to buy freedom or to redeem us uh, for us who were slaves to the law so that He could adopt us 
as his very own children, or to be received so that we could receive the adoption of sons and daughters. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son, the Shekinah glory presence, into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. You are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you an heir. Wow. So the message of the gospel is that you are brought back into relationship with God the Father, and you can rest in that knowledge. And when you're tempted to act like an orphan, you need to go back to the Father. Now, I've been studying this idea of the orphan heart, the orphan message, the father heart of God. It's one of our defining values as a church and as a network of churches uh, is that we believe in this. Like, I've been studying this. I've been gone to seminars and everything for uh, 25, almost 30 years. And you know how often I have to deal with the orphan issues? Every single day. Well, his church is bigger than my church. God must not love me. I must not be good enough. What? 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 That's stupid. Like, that's really stupid. He's got a better car than I have. Oh, I'd like to have a car like that. <laughs> and I'm driving you know, a really nice car. You know, am I thankful for what I have? Or am I jealous for what I don't have? Do I rejoice? Look at, I mean, were Adam and Eve's kids affected by their rebellion? <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> I'm going to kill him. And he went out and did it. Why? Because there was competition. It led to murder. <laughs> and so where there's, there's unhealthy competition, it's orphan thinking. There's animosity. It's orphan thinking. It's anger, probably at the root of it. You're not at peace with God. And so you need to ask yourself, let's just do this real quick. Say, Father, show me where I'm still thinking like a spiritual orphan. And lead me in your way. So I encounter your presence so that I can eat from the tree of life and have a restored relationship with you. In Jesus' name. Bill, you want to wrap it up and then I'll do the announcement? Uh, that's kind of what I was going to do to wrap it up. So we did good. We got that taken care of. No, that's really good. Um, <clears throat> if you're not familiar with just that phrase, the father heart of God, um, press into that a little bit. It, it is one of our core values and it is a life changing has changed my life and I still need it to change it more. <laughs> uh, man. I don't know, are you catching, I think you are, I see, I see on some faces like you're catching the weight of, of this message. 
Let's just receive it a little more before we wrap up. God, so much of our thinking is messed up. Stupid was the right word. (laughs) Sometimes our thinking is just so stupid. We mistake you. We put on you things that you are not. Even our religious training growing up, some of us, it was so stupid and so messed up. So God, we just want to open our hearts to see you for who you are, to see your goodness, to see you as a loving father. God, we just commit ourselves to the process of putting off the other ideas that get in the way of that, the ways we related to our dad or our dad related to us, the absence of a father in our lives, the fragmenting in maybe many fathers in our lives instead of one steady, consistent dad. We put all that junk on you, God. It's just not fair and it's not right. It's just stupid. When we recognize it for stupid, when we say we're sorry, when we um, open up to you, God, you show us what kind of dad you are. Wow. It's amazing. Would you just minister that to us right now a little more?